underestimate the power of the dark side. If you will not fight, then you will meet your destiny. Dobby has no master. Dobby is a free elf. And Dobby has come to save Harry Potter and his friends. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Yes, it's five o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, a hot and sultry Sunday afternoon, even at Radio Carum. And you are listening to our very first episode of Girls on Film. I'm Carenza and I'm joined this afternoon by Kim. Hey, Kim, how are you? I'm very well, Carenza. Really looking forward to today's show. Aren't we ever? Well, we have got a lot to share with you today. So, Kim, I went to the theatre and I've gone and checked out uh, Moulin Rouge, the musical that's playing at the um, Regent Theatre here in Melbourne until April the 20th. Um, sort of April 2022 so I've got some great things to share about that show. What a wonderful show that was I saw it in November last year and it was one of my favourites I think. It is and I've also checked out as well and I'm going to talk a bit about uh, Wentworth today too so the great Australian drama started in 2013 would you believe and it's just after 100 episodes completely come to an end so I thought what a great opportunity to look back at eight well, you can call them nine even, um, seasons of Wentworth. And what an incredible, um, what an incredible um, show that's been. And what yeah, have you got to share this afternoon, finale. Kimmy? That one was too. It, it really shaped up to be a fantastic ending, which I thought was wonderful. <laughs> this week I uh, looked at Love Me, which is a new series that's just been um, bought forward on Binge and it's uh, been filmed in Melbourne. So that's a good one. And I'm also going to review... Don't Look Up, which is the new um, Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio film. So a lot of things to share with you this afternoon. Our very first episode of Girls on Film. You are listening to Radio Karam. Hi, this is Steve Stakos, the Mayor of the City of Kingston, and you're listening to Radio Carum. He entered a world where fantasy is real, where he could be anything he wanted, and where he would discover the most dangerous temptation of all. Come and get me, boys. fall in love with someone like me. I can't fall in love with anyone. Make men believe what they want to believe. Never knew 
contract that binds Satine to me exclusively. He could destroy everything. I don't care. We have each other. Make Christian believe you don't love him. He'll fight for me. Hurt him. Hurt him to save him. Whatever happens, no matter how bad things get, we love one another. Kill the boy. So as I said, Kim, I went to uh, the theatre, so I got all frocked up and dressed up, and I went to um, the Regent Theatre in Melbourne uh, to watch Moulin Rouge. Now, Moulin Rouge actually stars Anita Chidsey as Satine. Now, um, if you like going to the theatre, you would have seen her before because she actually starred as Velma Kelly in Chicago, which was also a terrific musical. And she's been nominated for several awards, including a helpman. Now, Des Flanagan played the role of Christian, uh, and he most recently performed Kim in West Side Story. Um, And you'd know him actually from TV as well because he's actually been on Neighbours. But for me, the star of the show, I thought, was Simon Burke who played the role of Harold Zidler. Um, Now, most people would know him, obviously, from his time in Sons and Daughters, Um, heaps and heaps of stage experience, and what a musical it was. People have said to me, and I was a bit ambivalent, thinking, oh, you know, I've seen the film, you know, I've watched watched it, I I know it all, and, and people had said to me, it was phenomenal and they were not wrong from the moment I walked in uh, to, to when the production started right through to the very last second and in fact you know the callback at the end I was on the edge of my seat I mean it's a phenomenal story and they've modernized it Kim so they've actually changed up quite a lot of the music so um, some of those songs that you might have known from the the time of the movie when of course you had Nicole and uh, Ewan McGregor actually in the movie they've changed some of those songs to a lot of the modern day um, hits that we know today and it was absolutely um, sensational. So for those of you who don't know a lot about Moulin Rouge, um, it's sort of set in at the turn of the century in the um, 1800s turning into the 1900s and you get the opportunity to enter a world of splendour and romance, eye-popping excess of glitz, grandeur and glory. It's a world where the bohemians and the aristocrats rub elbows and they revel in the electrifying enchantment. Um, and so, you know, this was written, obviously, by famous Australian Baz Luhrmann. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it really 
comes to life on stage. You know, it's a, a boy meets girl, but there's another boy and the other boy's bad kind of story and then the girl gets sick and here's a spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, she dies. Um, and at the end, you know, you're kind of left, you know, a few tears um, at the end of it. Um, but for me, um, spectacular vernacular, I believe, were some of the lines that we were actually used in, in the performance. It was absolutely sensational. So what I thought I might do is just give our listeners a little clip, a little snippet of um, the actual show from Melbourne. Let's have a listen. Welcome to the Moulin Rouge. So, you know, absolutely superb, Kim. I mean, as I said, I was on the edge of my seat from beginning to end. I knew the songs. I found myself tapping my feet along, you know, singing along in my head. And, you know, the, the ovation at the end was magnificent. Now, Anita Chidsi as Satine was good. Hard shoes to follow, I think, when Nicole has, you know, Nicole Kidman has, has claimed such an iconic role. But she did an awesome, awesome job. Beautiful voice, beautiful singing. And, you know, she really drew you into her story and you you could feel the struggle that she had between obviously the duke who um she was told to seduce you know you have to seduce mm. the duke so that we can have the money for the shows to continue um and then obviously torn with her love with christian as well and of course um des who played christian as well was fam- fabulous and they had great chemistry the two of them together i thought but as i said i thought simon uh, burke who played harold zidler was fabulous and for me really really stole the show so he was the kind of ringmaster if you like of of the Moulin Rouge Kim so he was the person that was um, putting the shows together trying to convince Satine to obviously seduce the Duke Mm. um, but at the same time trying to um, persuade her that she had to let Christian go and so it's you know like a a version of Romeo and Juliet with some fabulous music kind of all thrown in there for good measure colour glamour noise one for the kids one for the whole family and Absolutely. You've also checked it out. I have. And for all those mums and dads at home, uh, Simon Burke was also a regular on Play School, which is where his familiar face generally pops up. But Tim O'Matic, he was in it as well. Yeah, he was. He was phenomenal. He was probably one of my favourite um, stars of the night. But um, what about the sets? Oh, the sets were spectacular. Oh, the elephant as well, Kim. There the was a giant huge elephant. giant elephant. And, of course, the beautiful red curtain that is uh, famous uh, – for Baz Luhrmann, he's with his Red Curtain trilogy, um, uh, Strictly Ballroom being another. So, yeah, just it was one of my favourites of all time. So now this is where we get to uh, rate it, Kimmy. So in our new show, Girls on Film, you know, we get to get a, a bit of a critique. You know, would you go and see it again? Would you encourage others to? As I said, it's playing at the Regent Theatre here in Melbourne until April and then it makes its way to, um, to Sydney. And uh, for me, it was worth every single cent. 100% I would go again. 
wouldn't mm. hesitate as I said I loved it I loved the you know the the glitter the glitz the kind of campness the over-the-top spectacular type of production I think that you would imagine if you want something that makes you feel good that gets you dancing that gives you energy and a burst in a zest for life then for me this this was honestly I think one of the best stage shows I've seen in a very 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 long time and I'm going to give it four and a half out of five. That's a good score. Yeah, it, it was uh, quite an expensive show. It, I think we paid about $179, but as you said, it was well worth all the money in the world. I think I would give it four and a half stars as well. Fantastic. Well, let's play um, one of, I think, the, the, the most iconic, one of the most iconic songs from, obviously, uh, Moulin Rouge and uh, Lady Marmalade, Christina Aguilera, Little Kim. Who else? Who were the other two that sung on that one, Kimmy? Can you remember? Uh, Pink was one of them. And was it Maya? It was. It was indeed. So from Moulin Rouge, uh, this is Lady Marmalade. You are listening to Girls on Film here at Radio Caram. Hi, it's Sonia Kilkenny, and I'm pleased to be here on Radio Carom. If you're down Carom way, just call Mitchell Tor. Or in Patterson Lakes, just call Mitchell Tor. Anywhere Bayside, just call Mitchell Tor. Buy a summer house. Just call Mitchell Tall, Mitchell Tall, real estate. Oh yeah, real little real estate. We want more. We done it. One take. This is not real. This is not real. This is not real. This isn't happening. Kate, uh, tell me this isn't really happening. I hear there's uh, something you don't like the looks of. We discovered a very large comet. Oh, good for you. It's headed directly towards Earth. This comet is what we call a planet killer. At this exact moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Sit tight and assess? Sit tight. And then assess. The sit tight part comes first, then you gotta digest it. That's the assessment period. This is the worst news in the history of humanity. He just blew us off. What are we gonna do? We have to release the information. So we just leak it. Our guests today have made a pretty big discovery in space. How big is this thing going? I can't destroy my ex-wife's house. Is that possible? <laughs> There's a 100% chance that we're all going to die. Okay. Hey. Hey. Well, the handsome astronomer can come back anytime, but the yelling lady, Mm, not so so much. We're going to get the news out there one way or another. It's real and it's coming. Jesus Christ, you could have just called me. This comet contains $30 trillion worth of material. What do trillions of dollars matter if we're all going to die? Oh, no, what if we're rich? That would be terrible. You guys discovered a comet? I have a tattoo of a shooting star on my back. Oh, that's that's terrific. <laughs> this could be a complete disaster. This is already a disaster. <laughs> you know that girl from Live TV said we're all gonna die? No. You'll never take me alive! There it is! 
the FBI put that bag over your head. They don't do that. The CIA does, but I made them do it. You know, I had a feeling. It's a good feeling, because that is what I did, and it was very funny and cool. Welcome back to Radio Karen, where you are listening to Girls on Film with Kim and Carenza. Now, we have just listened to the trailer for Don't Look Up, and I was lucky enough to watch this during the week. It was first released to cinema for about two weeks before it was released early onto Netflix. So, Don't Look Up is a 2021 American science fiction film. It was written and produced and directed by Adam McKay. Now... Adam McKay was also nominated for two awards for director and has won a uh, BAFTA as well for the Anchorman. And some of you might also know him from Vice and The Big Short. It stars an all-star cast consisting of Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill, Meryl Streep and Kate Blanchett, just to name a few. That is a huge cast. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet, Mark Rylance, Terry, uh, Tyler Perry are also in it. So it's huge. It's really huge. So, but one of the things that, and one of the people that also stars is Ariana Grande, who also uh, sang the theme song, uh, which was uh, called "Just Look Up." So she did that with Scott Mescuddy, who's also known as Kid Cuddy as well. So. Yeah, bit of trivia for you. But look, it tells the story of two astronomers attempting to warn humanity about an approaching comet that was going to destroy or is going to destroy human civilization as they know it. Um, the impact event is a story, I guess, for climate change. And the film is a satire of government, political and media indifference to climate change. Yeah, so have you seen it? I have seen it, yes. It's, um, it's an interesting, interesting film. Look, it is. It's very different. Uh, it's kind of a slapstick. So, I mean, you, you and I had very different takes on this. I, I loved it personally because I, I thought it was just slapstick. And, I, and look, Meryl Streep plays the President of the United States. And um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Mr. Trump, Donald Trump, uh, once called her a very, very bad actress. So I think this a character that she's playing is very loosely based on Donald Trump, Trump and it's a bit of a payback. <laughs> so it's an interesting story, isn't it? So here we are, the world is going to end. But what's ironic is no one will believe what they're being told at the start. Well, that's right. There's um, a lot of denial. Is, there is a lot of denial through the film. Um, and and it, I guess it, it culminates with the, the President of the United States not taking it seriously as well. And, and then we have Kate Blanchett, who was play, uh, played a newsreader. And um, basically Jennifer Lawrence's character, who discovers a, the comet, has um, basically, um, yeah, just uh, gone on to live television and uh, and she's just been downtrodden and made a fool of. So, yeah, it was. Um, it, look, I, I love this film. It was it was a great film. I think there's a very defining moment, wasn't there, in the film when, um, in order to get people's attention, and you're right, the scene on the in the sort of you know the breakfast kind of TV show was great. You know, we've got two minutes, so let's talk about these things. And uh, in the end, to get people's attention, she says basically the character says basically you're just all going to die. And uh, that's quite an amusing, I think you're right, it's quite slapstick, sticking satirical at that point in the film. Yeah, look, Jay Law's um, character, she's basically a PhD candidate working on a telescope and, and she discovers this comet and her professor, who is played by Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, calculates that it's going to impact the Earth in about six months and uh, basically it's going to create an extinction event. So... 
Yeah, when NASA uh, initially confirms this, um, people tend to, you know, take it a little seriously. But as as events go on, um, you know, basically uh, people just go on about doing whatever they like and uh, forgetting that, you know, the world's about to end. And like you say, it's it's got numerous meanings in it. So whilst it's actually about a comet and an extinction event, it's actually also not about that truth too, which is what I think makes the film kind of quite unique. Mm. Um, and it, it sort of, you know, talks about, I think, how people do and don't listen to things and kind of humanity and, you know, that sense of, well, someone's going to save the world and, um, and then when they don't save the world, what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. And um, look, there, there's there's different pl- uh, plots and plans along the way and and look if you're going to stay and um watch the the film to the end because i know a couple of my friends didn't but i suggest that you do stay around and, and watch the credits at the end because there's a little bit of an ending that a lot of people are missing so you need to see that so where can people go and catch don't look up it's currently on netflix would you believe as i said before it was released to the theaters uh but because of covid it was basically released straight into onto netflix now you also said as well that um, um ariana grande actually has a role in the film you heard her in the trailer as well talking about her star tattoo she um, has an amazing voice. Uh, she does play uh, a music artist in the film and um, as such she uh, has sung a song that we're going to listen to right now. Yeah, so we get a chance to rate the film out of five, Kimmy. So your rating in terms of, you know, is this one for people to go and watch? Look, I loved it. I really did. I just loved the fact that it just took the mickey out of everything and... Um, I would give it four stars, I think. Giving it a four stars. Now, for me, it's probably a two stars. Well, that's a bit harsh. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? But I found myself dozing off halfway through. Um, not Probably not my cup of tea in terms of a film. So we've got a bit of a mixed bag of reviews on this one, Kimmy. But your, your recommendation is definitely watch it. It's on Netflix. If you've got Netflix, it's there to stream. Um, and we're not going out a lot at the moment because of um, Omicron. So um, it's a great one to watch. Well, it actually did set the new record for the most viewing hours in a single week on Netflix in its first week. So I'm probably alone then mm-hmm. in my review. Not really. It's had a, a real mixed bag. Okay, well, let's have a listen. So this is uh, Ariana Grande and Just Look Up from uh, Don't Look Up. Hi, I'm Freddie from Freddie's Kitchen. Let's get behind Radio Karam. Go Karam. Come on, Freddy's Kitchen in Station Street for a coffee and something nice to eat. Yeah, the pizzas are great. In fact, all the food rates down at Freddy's Caram Station Street. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. It's a pizza. It's a mystic pizza. Beef Smith? Yeah. I need you to come with me. I'm sweet home, love. The panic button by the front door. Don't ever press it. Why can't I talk to my daughter? We don't negotiate with prisoners. You got to choose sides in here. Frankie will look out for you. Do you want to talk to your daughter? Oh, yeah, but please, do I don't know. You do what I say. Frankie's top dog ever since Jack's left. Well, she's in the slot right now, but she'll be back. 
Now, Francesca, mm. I do run this prison, and nobody, especially you, challenges me and gets away with it. There's three ways it can end. Someone gets released, backs down, ends up dead. Please don't do this. You know it's not right. You got guts coming in here, airing your opinions. No one else has been brave enough to do that. They think it takes a strong woman to rise to the top in here, but it doesn't. It takes a smart one. One who chooses their moment and understands the repercussions if they get it wrong. You want to see your daughter? You tell me what happened. There will be reprisals. We know that's how Jackson and Frankie work. What we don't know is how the game changes now that there's a new player in the mix. Jax is threatening Debbie. Can't you do something about that? Normal rules don't apply to Jax. Yes, your daughter's fucked. I love you to the moon and back. I love you too. It's time. Time to break up with Debbie. I know what you're doing, Frankie. You're pushing B at Jax all the time and you're hoping they're going to cancel each other out. I want to know the truth about my daughter. It was the kindness, really, putting her out of her misery. She was better off dead. <laughs> one well-chosen moment can take you straight to the top and one mistake can finish you. Oh, yes, that was the trailer way back in 2013, Kim, for season one of Wentworth. And I'm going to do a bit of a review of Wentworth because, um, well, it started back in May 2013 and it ran for 100 episodes until October 2021, would you believe, Kim? Um, And um, it was obviously the reimagination of Prisoner or Prisoner Cell Block H, as we used to call it back in the UK. And it became um, one of Foxtel's, um, you know, but best um, homegrown Aussie TV dramas, and yeah, after after all that time, it's it's um it's come to an end. Now it starred um, um, Danielle McCormack as B Smith, and you sort of heard B um, in in that in that uh, I suppose ad um, for the program. But really, um, it's certainly the first five seasons follow B's journey. So she's a hairdresser, um, and what happens is she's in an abusive uh, family relationship at home, and she lives with her daughter, Debbie. Um, and um, there's an incident with her her husband at the time, and she actually goes to jail for attempted murder. Mm. And what we do is we follow B's journey, B Smith, of course, the That's iconic a long way back. Yeah, the iconic B Smith, mm. Queen B, from being um, the first, you know, newbie into the prison to her journey to be top dog. And what's fascinating is, you know, with with Wentworth, it wasn't rewriting and just redoing um, Prisoner. It was reimagining it. But they mm. took all of the characters. So of course we have. B. Smith, remember Queen B, uh, Vera Bennett, otherwise known, of course, as Vinegar Tits, um, Joan Ferguson, the freak, um, Doreen or Dor, as she was mm-hmm. so well known, uh, Frankie, Lizzie Birdsworth, they were all in it. And certainly up to um, season five, it really was the story of B um, and what happened to B, how she became top dog and all the things that happened in the prison. I guess, with all of those other characters. And then from season five, it went more towards an ensemble cast as well, where we saw people like Sigrid 
Elizabeth Thornton, um, who, of course, you remember from Sea Change. Um, Bernard Curry, of course, playing the role of Jake mm-hmm. the Snake. Um, Susie Porter, Jane Hall, some great American actors, and, of course, Pamela Raby, who um, from season two played um, Joan Ferguson, the freak. And it really was a very contemporary look at women's life in women's prison, and they certainly had the view to make this a really gritty but also very true drama. So there's certainly, you know, a lot of violence that you would see certainly in a prison, a lot of drugs, a lot of trauma. And it certainly portrays the women, I felt, really quite really quite thoughtfully mm. um, and carefully. But the, the sort of stories and the backstories, you know, are probably very similar to the kind of circumstances and situations that people would find themselves actually incarcerated today in Australia. Mm-hmm. So it was certainly um, huge reviews and, you know, classed as being very, very, very gritty. Now, it actually had 24 Logie nominations over wow. those eight seasons and it won seven Logies. Um, mm-hmm. And so you had people like Danielle McCormack, who, of course, was Queen Bee, mm-hmm. uh, Celia Ireland, who played Lizzie Bird with the iconic Lizzie and Pamela Raby, the freak, um, each winning individual um, logies. Yeah, as well as the um, show winning the most outstanding drama in 2015, 18 and 19. Numerous other nominations, including the actors as well and and awards for those. Um, Absolutely phenomenal show. Now, did you know it was actually shot not in Nana Wadding, where, of course, Prisoner, so Block H, was was Mm -hmm. shot. It was actually shot in purpose-built space in Clayton, Mm. just down the road from us. Um, And actually, when it went to air, the very first episode had um, a quarter of a million viewers watch episode one here in Australia, making it Foxtel's um, most um, highly, you know, rated drama series on its premiere. That's the highest rating. And in fact, when it um, even went to the UK, they had 1.6 million viewers as well for the very first episode. Phenomenal accolades. And so I sat down to watch the final season. So um, they took season eight and they did it over two parts. So you had, you know, 10 parts for part um, part one of season eight and then 10 parts of part two. And um, again, sticking to those themes, it was just an incredibly gritty, um, gritty story, him, of all of the things that were happening and going on. And so we, we started season 10, as I said, sorry, season 10, season episode, sorry, season eight, but the second part of it. Um, and 10 episodes. So we were really seeing um, the top dog has just been overthrown. Mm. So if there's been a fight in the women's toilets, she's been shivved, which she doesn't know what a shiv is. It's a homemade knife. So mm-hmm. she's been stabbed with a homemade knife. Um, and she, um, you know, is faces no longer being top dog. And in fact, um, it's actually one of her own cellmates, someone that she's really looked out for that's actually betrayed her. And that comes to light later in the series. Mm. Um, and it comes to a big crescendo at the end. Um and so we have this battle for who is going to be top dog. And um, there are there are some significant deaths in terms of storylines as well. And there's a big crescendo at the end, Kim, where we get to sort of the final, the final episode. Um, it's the final countdown. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens is we have a, a prisoner who is a terrorist and who is breaking out of prison. Um, and there is a bomb and the bomb goes off and um, basically... Big chunks of the prison are, you know, have fallen down, and you know you have to see the fate of all of the characters. And it's a bit of a cliffhanger at the end, and you're, you know, sitting at the edge of your seat, and you know, after after you know, um, nearly ten years of this gripping gripping drama, 
um, some of those really good storylines get um, get finally stitched up. So if you are a fan of, um, of of Wentworth, obviously you want to know what happens to Joan Ferguson, the freak, who um, earlier on in the previous season had been buried alive, had come back and lost her memory. Mm. It's a bit like Dallas, isn't it? Oh, is that Bobby <laughs> in the shower or someone else? Come back and had lost her memory but had got it back but was fooling everyone. So what happens to the freak? Certainly her future was up in the balance as well. What's going to happen to Ali, who was the top dog, who's now found herself in a wheelchair and she's certainly buried under the rubble? Mm. Um in the explosion and of course because she's not physically able to walk because she's in a chair she can't actually walk out of the prison so what's going to happen to her and um, you know your main protagonist as well Lou who's um grieving the loss Lou of Kelly yeah, yeah loss of her partner um does she get away with this you mm. know does she get away with a bomb how will the women feel I mean there are a lot of people that are that are in the ending you can see have been mm-hmm. killed so it's um it's you know an edge of your seat kind of um thrilling ending and a really fitting ending I think for nine phenomenal um, seasons of this show 100 episodes absolutely absolutely incredible now if you want to watch it it is on binge you can go and watch the entire um, nine seasons 100 episodes right from the very very beginning um, the story of uh, Queen Bee B. Smith so that's the reimagining of um, of Prisoner and it's been huge Kim all around the world it's got massive followings in the UK the US it's been one of Foxtel's greatest actually um, exports and it's really put Aussie good Aussie drama um, on the map you know some of the storylines maybe at the end were a little bit far-fetched <laughs> but um, but you know it was just gripping TV and it's great to see so many fantastic Australian actresses and actors um, really play um, really play those roles um, so well um, and not just, you know, I suppose the um, the diversity of the cast was also terrific. So there's some terrific Indigenous storylines as well mm-hmm. where you actually get to understand some of those stories too. So, I mean, for me it was, um, you know, I really, really enjoyed watching all of it. I was a big fan of the original Prisoner back in the day, loved it, uh, and, and I, you know, really thoroughly enjoyed that last nine years, I think, of um, of the reimagining of, of um, Prisoner. And you've seen it too, haven't you? I have, and it's going to be... Uh what are we going to do? What are we going to watch? It's been I a part know. of our lives for the last 10 years or so and it's hard to believe that it's actually not going to be back next year. It is hard to believe. So this is our chance now to give it a score, Kimmy, out well, of five. We're rating all of these shows. Well, once again, um, I loved it. I loved every episode of it. Uh, Pamela Raby is one of my favourite actresses of all time. Um, oh, I see her in live, yeah, live theatre. When, whenever she's in live theatre, I always get along to see her. Uh, in Melbourne, and uh, I think I'll give it four stars. I know I, I, I tend to I've tend to given everything four stars today, but I've loved everything I've seen so far. And I agree with you. I think the um, the cast was absolutely stellar, and as you said, some phenomenal you know Australian stars of stars of TV screen. I mean, mm. absolute royalty. You know, and as I agree, Pamela Raby, outstanding. Danielle McCormack as Queen Bee, brilliant. I'm a big fan of Sigrid Thornton. Love anything she's in. Mm-hmm. I find her very very funny. Susie Porter. Now here's a bit of trivia. Did you know that Sigrid Thornton was in the original Prisoner? Was she? Yes, she was. Oh, I think there was a few that actually were in the original. They were. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to give this my second um, second four and a half today. Absolutely, four and a half. Absolutely loved it. Right up there, I think, with Moulin Rouge. But, of course, mm. we can't talk about Prisoner without playing the original song, the original oh, theme. Fabulous. And um, very telling at the end as well, very beautiful piece at the end because they played this as we farewelled uh, Wentworth too. So um, 
absolutely highly recommend this brilliant Australian drama, nine seasons. So if you're looking for something to binge, if you're in ISO, perhaps, you mm. know, you've got COVID or you're having you know, to isolate because you're a household contact and you're looking for something to watch, highly recommended. It's on binge. Uh, and this is On the Inside, Lynn Hamilton and the original soundtrack to Prisoner. Oi, 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 oi. IGA is shopping nights. IGA where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker. Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC and when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Karam. Tune in and enjoy. Apparently if you're single at this age, it's just weirdos and hookups. I just think you're going to meet someone. Hi again. Do you have a pen? Old school. Small talk. How many kids do you want? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm shit at small talk. <laughs> like he's not going to be completely self-obsessed and superficial. I knew this was too good to be true. Clara, I am sorry. I had planned to tell you several times. I'm trying to talk to you now. Where are you going? Being scared's a silly reason not to do something. You can't control who you fall in love with. No one can. This isn't you. Jesse, you've never been in love, okay? So you don't actually know what you're talking about. Do you actually want to be in a relationship? And it's totally fine if you don't. I do. Then what are you doing? Your wife has just died, Dad. Why did you get rid of everything? <laughs> Seriously, it's trial and error. And mainly, it's error. Hello and welcome back to Radio Karen where you are listening to Girls on Film with Kim and Carenza. Now, Carenza, I was lucky enough to watch Love Me, uh, a six-part series uh, on the Binge Network. And um, to be honest, I watched it all at once. I could not put it down. It was just so good. So um, let me run through a little bit of it with you. Um, Love Me is the first Australian drama series and the first original production of streaming service Binge. It's set in Melbourne with a backdrop of the Yarra River and a beautiful, beautiful uh, Melbourne backdrop. Uh, it's a story about love, loss and complexities of family relationships um, experienced by three different family members So, um, at very distinct uh, times of their lives. Um, we don't realise that the main characters 
um, are all um, united until we basically see them um, congregating around a dinner table. So we're first introduced to Clara. Now Clara's played by the amazing Bojana, now I'm not sure how to say her surname, Novakovic. And she's a Serbian actress uh, who was born in Serbia and at seven years of old, uh, years of old age, sorry, migrated to Australia, where in her teens she attended uh, NIDA. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you some might know her from the TV series uh, Australian Drama Satisfaction, where she won an AFI award for best leading actress oh, so she's in a good. drama series. She is very good, really good. She's so good, in fact, that she was in I Tonya in the States, and as well as Birds of Prey, so with Margot Robbie. So, yeah, she's right up there and she's making an international name for herself as well. So we're first introduced to her um, and she's basically sitting uh, at a table on a blind date with some jerk who uh, is basically discussing uh, ethical non-monogamy with her over breakfast and no, they didn't spend the night together before pointing out that she's been uh, she's underpaid him by 50 cents on their bill. So... Uh, obviously, that's the first and the last date. So then our focus shifts off to her younger brother, who's a 20-year-old law student. So he's basically um, having a bit of a, a dalliance with his girlfriend and misses the bus uh, to a very important meeting at his uh, law university. So we... we do realise though that he's not the reckless type that he's being portrayed to be uh, as we watch through the series. He's actually quite a, he's although a carefree type, he really takes his schooling um, seriously and uh, he, he's desperate, desperate to be a lawyer. So, and then we finally meet Hugo Weaving, whose character Glenn is the father. Now, um, Hugo Weaving, for those of you I think everybody would know him uh, from The Matrix, but also from Priscilla, Queen of the the Desert. So a uh, very, very um, acclaimed actor. So we meet Glenn when he's booking a vacation at a travel agent for himself and his wife. Uh, and the travel agent basically says, look, their, their holiday is going to be $20,000. And uh, he, she said, look, we ha- only have gold, silver or bronze. And Hugo Weaving in his uh, you know unique style turns around and says, do you have any copper or tin? So that was basically the <laughs> opening and it was a really, really good moment. So, look, this, this um, movie, sorry, this series is also um, directed by Emma Freeman. Um, now, Emma Freeman won the 2016 Logie for Best Director on Glitch. Now, you've seen... I've watched Glitch. I've enjoyed Glitch. Glitch was great. Brilliant Australian series. Um, you might also know her from uh, being the director of Clickbait, Secret City, The Newsreader, Stateless and, of course, Offspring. So, I mean, she's got a lot of really good series under her belt, hasn't she? She definitely has. And this one's no exception. No, no, no. So, yeah, look, it's... I guess Love Me is more about middle class um, fam- families of Melbourne, you know, rather than something like um, what was that one, uh, The Secret Lives of Us, which is kind of kind of grungy and gritty. This is more, you know, middle class. So um, yeah, it's it's right up there with one of my favourites. I think. How about you? Have you seen it? I have seen it, and you know, I'm not going to give anything away, but it it it's really a show about grief, and mm. I think it it really centres around how. Th- Three, these three characters really respond in yeah. different ways to grief and what that does to their lives and, and their relationships with other people and what love actually means as a result of that. It's 
it's gripping, um, it's gritty, it's funny, it's sad, uh, superbly acted, I think, like you said, Kim, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I mean, I love watching good Aussie drama. I absolutely love, like I said, you mm. know, um, I thought um, Wentworth was sensational. For me, this is right up there too. Really good Aussie drama and, and on screen, Melbourne just looks magnificent. Doesn't it? Look... For me, I think this this series was about finding yourself and, and one of the main messages that it, it portrayed was uh, learning to love again. I think each of these characters, um, you know, had dysfunctional relationships of some type and it was about learning to love again. And I think the screen uh, the screenwriters wanted us to know that these characters are individual first and foremost and a family unit, <coughs> excuse me, second. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, yeah, I understand. I can see that from it. It was. Um, it, it, you certainly see three uniquely different stories and journeys. I think as part of this um, six-part um, yeah. miniseries. Yeah, and look, Glenn's wife and the kid's mother, Christine, is played by Sarah Pierce. Now she's headstrong and very standoffish, giving the script a bit of a prickly dimension. But she's. We also have to remember that she's very chronically ill, and uh, you know, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, she eventually dies very early on in the series, in, in, um, in the first episode, in fact. So it's about Hugo or um, his character, Glenn, going in and um, going on this journey uh, which commences with him going on the holiday that he purchased for his wife who had since died and going it alone. And through that journey and going to this retreat, he actually meets and uh, befriends um you know, an individual and it's about, I guess, without, you know, spoiler alert again, uh, without giving too much away, it's about building a, a relationship um, and friendship with this person. So let's give it a score, Kimmy. What, what would you um, give? I'm going to give this one four and a half. Yeah, I'm going to give it a, I think it was, for me, it's a good four and a half too. Terrific show. I loved it. Again, it's a great one to watch, especially if you're tucked up in bed or you're looking for something to, to see. Six episodes, brilliant miniseries. Australian, got to love it. Yeah, six episodes just wasn't enough for me. I just can't wait for the next instalment. Hopefully there's a season two. Well, of course, it also had some fantastic Australian music in mm-hmm. there too. And Julia Stone um, yep. has recorded um, her version of I Want to Know What Love Is. So let's play that now. From the TV uh, miniseries. Now, where can you watch that again, Kim? Just to remind our listeners. You can actually watch it on Binge. Uh, yep. So I like Binge. Binge is good. Binge is a good subscription to have, especially mm-hmm. if you're locked away for a few days. So highly recommended. We're giving that one a nice high score too. So I want to know what love is. This is Julia Stone. Well, you have been listening there to Girls on Film. I'm Carenza. And I'm Kim. And I, it was great actually reviewing all of those shows. So let's have a look. At Moulin Rouge, we scored eight and a half out of ten. Good score. Now, Don't Look Up got a measly 6.5, but don't be uh, d- dissuaded not to go and see it because I gave it four. Carenza didn't like it, but I loved it. Wentworth, that great TV show. You can watch that on Binge. Um, nine seasons now of it, and it was uh, 100 episodes. It's wrapped up and finished. It scored a whopping 8.5 from Kim and I today as well. And with the top score of the day, we had Love Me, which is a wonderful series filmed right here in Melbourne on the Binge Network, and uh, we gave that a, a high nine. So um, you have been listening to Corenza and Kim here on Radio Karam with uh, our very first episode of Girls on Film. Thanks, Corenza. I had a lovely time today. Ditto, Kim. And we'll see you guys again next time. 